Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. Confident parent, and as Jim Burns said, that's almost an oxymoron. Uh, I don't know about you, but I don't always feel very confident in my parenting, and uh, so it is sometimes of an oxymoron to think about that. Jim said it's like a diet ice cream. You know, I don't know that there really is any good diet ice cream. Uh, so anyhow, that's what we're going to be talking about here in the uh, the next weeks to come. Uh, today we're going to continue the theme of what we talked about of being a transitional generation, uh, transitional generational parent. So we're, we're going to decide in our life that we're going to change and we're going to, we're going to leave a godly legacy. Now if you were raised with a godly legacy, then praise the Lord for that. You keep carrying that out. And if you were not raised with a godly heritage or legacy in the ways of Christ, then I hope that today that you will decide in your heart and in your life that today I'm going to change. Today I'm going to put some things in place in my life and I'm going to be intentional about my parenting uh, and I'm going to, you know, you guys, we live in the era of outsourcing everything, do we not? I mean, and we live in the era of getting, getting professionals to, um, to teach us in every single area. I mean, you go, to the, you go to the general doctor anymore or just to your doctor what we'll call that, general physician or something like that. You go there anymore, and that's just the starting point. From there forward, you're going to go to these individuals that are professionals in different areas in your life. Unfortunately, we've allowed that mindset to creep into every area of our life as a parent. You know, as a parent, we want our kids to have the best education. Uh, so we, we get involved in their schoolwork, and we get involved with the teachers, and we're finding out what they're being taught. And then we send them off to the best institutions to educate our kids so that they can be the best that they can be. In the extracurricular world, we, um, we want our kids involved in every activity out there, whether it be the French club or the math club or the softball team or the baseball team or the soccer team or the lacrosse team or whatever. But it's not even good enough any longer for our kids to be involved in these school activities. We then want to move them to select leagues, and we want them to travel with the team, with the professionals, to teach them to be the best they could be in soccer. And we brought that same mentality into the spiritual world. And we bring our kids to church, and we transfer them over to the professional discipleship makers. And that being the church staff and the Sunday school teacher and the pastor and the youth pastor. And we say, teach our kids. You know, we all live in the era where we want to check all the boxes for our kids. We want them to have a good education. We want them to have good health. We want them to spiritually get that box checked. So we want to get them saved, get them baptized, and get somebody to do that. And as a parent, we think we've done our job as long as we've got all the boxes checked. And we've outsourced every bit of that. The problem is, that's not Scripture. The reality is... That's unbiblical. Hello? Hello? The reality is, parents, that God blessed you with those, those children and He gave you some responsibilities 
and roles in raising them. Okay? And that's what we're trying to talk about today and being that, that parent that's going to be intentional. Being that parent that's going to decide, you know what? Like, like Joshua of old, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And I'm going to be intentional about the spiritual development of my children and the spiritual development of my family. And I'm going to change, possibly, it may need to change some of the habits or the ways that we were brought up. And we talked about that briefly in our time this morning. Today I want to continue that, that thought and that concept of being this transitional generation. How many would agree that the parenting styles that you were brought up with, to a degree you've incorporated those into your own parenting style? Whether they're good or bad, you, you've brought those in. That's what has influenced you. My hand is up as well. You know, because actually, whenever I became a father, the only thing I knew about parenting is the way that I was parented, the way my dad raised me. And so I looked at that, and I'm thinking, okay, that's what a dad is to do. But for me personally, I looked at Scripture, and I thought, and I found that there's so much more that God has called me to do as a dad and as a father. So therefore, I had to be intentional about my parenting and where I was going to try to lead my family and try to leave behind the godly legacy. And it just starts with picking a point, starting today, discovering what the principles are in God's Word, and moving forward. Now, I'll be the first one to tell you I am not a perfect dad. My kids will be the first one to tell you that I am not a perfect dad. And I don't try to be perfect. I try to be what God wants me to be. I try to do all that He wants me to be, and maybe I don't know that that is perfection. But I try to live out godly principles, and I fail. It seems like I fail miserably every single day at that. But my heart is that I become intentional. And that's what my goal is and my objective is for this six weeks that we're going into this parenting series. Now, for those that don't have kids, I don't want you to check out on this. I look at the new newlyweds back there. I look at Phil and Jamie. I look at Tyler and, and Heather. I look at Matt and Leslie. And I look at some of these young married couples here in the church. And, and then I look at some of these, uh, I look at Sydney. And I look at, uh, at these others. And I look at my daughter. And I look at these girls back here. One day, Lord willing, you're going to be a parent. And whether it's a biological parent or an adoptive parent or a spiritual parent, where you reach down into the next generation, we're all going to be parents. Hello? Some people think the only way I can be a parent is to be a biological parent. That's not true. There's kids out there today that need a godly mom and dad, and they need you to adopt them. And whether you're able to biologically have kids or not, I don't know what God's plan is for your life, but I do know that His plan is for you to reach down into the next generation. And so therefore, we should be a spiritual parent to those. But the point is, we're going to be talking about parenting. And whether you have children or not, I don't want you to check out on this series. I want you to engage. Because there's going to be principles, there's going to be lessons, there's going to be content that will help you just to be a godly person. You see, our church, I look around at Victory Church and, and wow, we've had our ups and downs and we've had our ins and outs and we've had our battles and, 
And I look around at the DNA of Victory Church, and we need, we need some spiritual, godly role models in our church. Anchors, if you will, that the younger generation can look up to and say, there's a model. In case mom and dad did not model it for them, they could look up and say, there's a model. And so my goal and my desire and my heartbeat is to help equip and train parents and the church as a whole to be the godly example and the godly parent that God has called us to be in our own lives. I want you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 1 through 3. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. The scripture says, Therefore, since we have also such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us and run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that lay before him endured a cross, and despised the, sh the shame and has sat down at the right hand of God's throne pay attention to verse 3 a lot of times we stop there but pay attention to verse 3 for consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself so that you won't grow weary and lose heart now the scripture's teaching us that we are to lay aside the weights, lay aside the sins, pay attention to what's going on in our life, that we are to run this race with endurance, with patience that is set before us, and we are to consider him who ran this race, and that him who ran this race is the Lord Jesus Christ. And whenever it says in verse number three that we consider him who endured such hostility, then we won't grow weary and lose heart. How many of would have to agree with me that in parenting there's extreme highs and there's extreme lows? In life in general, there's extreme highs and there are extreme lows. How many has experienced the extreme highs as a parent? And if you're not a parent in life, you've experienced extreme highs. How many as a parent have experienced those extreme lows? How many as a parent, whenever you're in those lows, Satan kind of gets on both shoulders and he starts screaming into your ears that you're a failure, that you've messed up. There's no use in trying. Just throw in the towel. Just give up. Just quit. How many times has Satan done that to you? And my hands are up as well. Guys, I want you to know something. That number one, there are no perfect parents. And if you look at a set of parents from the outside looking in and you think, boy, there is the perfect set of parents, you're only deceiving yourself. There are no perfect parents. Somebody say amen. There are no perfect parents. We've all made our share of mistakes. Hopefully and prayerfully we've learned from them. But we've all made our share of mistakes. And guess what parents? You're going to make some more mistakes. As long as you're in the game, you're going to make some mistakes. I remember growing up playing football. And I played high school football, and I was on defense. I was a defensive end. On offense, I was an offensive end. And I remember on the offense, we were practicing just offense that day, and our offensive coordinator came over, and he was just ripping us, ripping us. 
And it was, it was, a, it was a dive right, like a, a, a 31, which is the three back through the one hole, just a dive right, right up by the center. And there was a little trap play taking place. And that place put in kind of mainly just to get a first down. You need a yard or two or a few inches or whatever. You just need to kind of bust the middle. Or maybe it's a decoy setting up for the next play where you're going to bust on the outside. There's all kind of strategy you could use for that. And so I was a split in on this particular play, and I was split way out, and I kind of just, I knew it was dive right, okay? I knew they were just going to hand it to the fullback. He's going up the middle. Somebody's going to bust him. He's going to get a yard or two. Play's going to be over. So I'm a split in way out here, and I'm supposed to run off my, my defensive back deep. And I'm supposed to run him off. Well, I, I kind of took four or five steps off the line and stopped because I knew it's dive right. He's going to get tackled right there. Man, the offensive coordinator came to me and absolutely chewed me out. And I said, it's dive right. He's going to get a couple yards. What in the world am I going to do? The defensive back's not even in the play. And he looked at me and he said, Cannon? He said, football is a game of mistakes. And if we execute every single play the way it is to be executed, every play has the potential of being a touchdown. Whoa, I never looked at it like that. I looked at Dive Rot as just getting a first down. But let me ask you, how many times do you see Dive Rot being split for a touchdown? A couple, but not very often. So that tells you that somebody, what, made a mistake. You see, the same thing applies in parenting. Sometimes we're going to make a touchdown. But more often than not, we're going to make some mistakes. And as we are making those mistakes, you know what we need to do? We need to learn from them. And we need to tweak our parenting, tweak our lives just a little bit and move forward. Parenting, I want you to write this down. If you don't get anything else, I want you to get this. Parenting is a process. Okay? You must endure as a parent. I don't want you to quit. I don't want you to throw in the towel. Satan wants you to do that. He wants you to give up. He wants you to quit setting boundaries. He wants you to quit laying principles in your, in your family life. He wants you to just give up. He wants you to say, it's no, it's no use. I've tried. Whatever happens, happens. That's what Satan wants you to do. I want to encourage you as parents today to get back in the game and stay in the game and realize that parenting is a process. It takes place from now until we're in the presence of our Lord in heaven. You never stop parenting. Now your style may change a little bit through the years. The role may change a little bit through the years, but you never stop parenting. It's a process from the day you have children until the day that you die. So my goal is for you to finish well. I want every one of us to finish well. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. In verse number, or chapter number 11, here's the great roll call of faith. And here's all these individuals that have kept the faith. And they've endured. And they've received the reward and the prize. And they're all in heaven. He's saying, listen, you are surrounded by this large cloud of witnesses. All these people that have endured. All these people that have persevered. You are surrounded by them. And then he says, lay aside the weights and lay aside the sin that entangles us and run with endurance the race that is set before you. I was reading after Jim Burns and he gives the story about a, a great lesson on perseverance. And he was talking about going on a mission trip to Africa. And he was climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. Is that how I say that correctly? Um, there in Africa. It's, it's 19,000 feet. 
And they had a tour guide that was leading them up this mountain. And he told them, he said, now as you're climbing this 19,000 feet, he said, you're going to run across some scenery, you're going to run across some views that are absolutely going to be breathtaking. He said, but at the same time, as you're climbing this 19,000 feet, he said, you're going to come to a point where you think you need to give up, where you need to quit, because it's going to be very challenging for you to go forward and get to the top of the mountain 19,000 feet up. He went on, this tour guide did, and he told the story, and he told Jim and these guys, he said, guys, you know what? He said, on a cloudy day, when the hikers that are climbing up the mountain cannot see the peak of the mountaintop, he said they become disgruntled and they wind up giving up and the majority of the time they never reach the mountaintop. They start squirming with themselves, fighting with themselves, become disgruntled on a cloudy day and he says very few times will I ever be able to lead a group of people to the mountaintop when it's a cloudy day. He said on the other side of the coin, when it's a beautiful day, and you can see to the top of the mountain, 19,000 feet up. He said, the majority of the time I have 90% of all of my hikers make it to the top. And he asked, why is that? He said, because they can see the goal. They can see the end. They can see the beauty of the mountain peak. They can see the top. And it encourages them to go on. Guys, I hope and pray that we can bring that same encouragement into our parenting. Because life is just like climbing this mountain. There are, there are highs and there are lows. There's going to be some breathtaking scenery that you'll see as a parent from time to time. And then there's going to be some excruciating, painful, low time, challenging experiences that you're going to go through as a parent. And those are somewhat cloudy days, are they not? I don't know when I'm going through that and when I've been there and experiencing that, man, I, I can't see the mountaintop, I, it's foggy, it's cloudy, I'm thinking, where in the world are we going with all this? And I almost want to give up as a parent. But I want to encourage you to keep on keeping on. There's a call of endurance that's taking place here in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 1. He says, therefore, since we have, we have this great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. And then he says, let us run with endurance. In verse number two, keeping our eyes on Jesus. Guys, listen, we will lose heart when we quit looking at the right things. We will lose heart and we will quit when we get our eyes off of Jesus. When we get our eyes off the goal. When we get our eyes out of the Word of God. When we quit having our own little devotion time. When we quit digging in the Word of God and gleaning out some principles for us as parents. When we quit all of that, when we make going to church just kind of a routine, something we do on Sunday, we come in, we go through the motions, we go home, but it never really means anything. I tell you, you're in dangerous territory because you're climbing the mountain on a cloudy day and it's very easy to quit. It's very easy to quit on Christ. It's very easy to quit on the church. It's very easy to quit on your family. And it's very easy to quit being that godly parent that God's called us to be. So keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Oswald Chambers has this quote, and I'll share it with you. He said, beware of anything that competes with your loyalty to Jesus Christ. Let that sink in. Let's all read that quote together. Beware together. Beware everyone together. Beware of 
Let's say it again. Beware. Let's say it again louder. Beware. One more time. Let me ask you, what's competing with your loyalty to Christ? You see, that's Satan's job. He wants to distract us. And most of the time, he's not going to distract us with sinful things that we would call sinful things or label that way. He's going to distract us with possibly some good things. But you know what he's going to do? He's going to distract us from Christ. And guys, when we start living our life and our eyes are not focused on Jesus, I don't care what you're doing, you will get discouraged. And in due season, you'll quit. I've been here going on 12 years now. 10, 99, help me miss math teacher, 11. 10. March. It'll be what? 12? March will be 12 years. I've seen people come and go in this church. I've seen people come in and get on fire for Jesus. Next thing you know, they've withered away. What happened? What's happened? The only one thing I know of, they've gotten their eyes off of the gold. Their eyes off of Christ. So I guess my advice to you in parenting and life is just keep first things first, okay? Remember what your role is. Remember what God's called you to be. I remember I was reading, and I, I found this actually on YouTube. Tracy, I remember the name now. It was John Stephen Aquari. He was from Tanzania. The year was 1968. He was a marathon Olympic runner. And you go to YouTube and you can see this video that they shot in 1968. John Stephen Aquari was a marathon runner from Tanzania. His country sent him 5,000 miles to Mexico City where the Olympic was being held to run the marathon and represent his country. The marathon started. All the fanfare in the stadium as they took off and they went out on the marathon. And then as they one by one started coming back in after running this marathon, many that started the marathon never finished. Many of them quit along the way. But those that finished the race started making their way back into the arena in Mexico City as the crowd was cheering them on. I want you to get a picture of Hebrews chapter 12 right here. The crowd was cheering them on as they're coming back in after running this marathon. After what they thought was the last runner to come in, the stands started emptying out. The majority of all the spectators had left. The only ones that remained were the journalists that were there, topping up and finishing, writing from the events of the day. The cleaning crew had made their way into the stadium there in Mexico City to clean up after the mass crowd that had just made an exodus. And all of a sudden, here came John Stephen a quarry hobbling in with his leg bandaged up you can actually see the video on YouTube 
And he makes his way into the arena and he runs the final lap and he crosses the finish line. When he crossed the finish line, a reporter went up to him and said, you're well over an hour after the last runner came, came through. Why didn't you quit? And John Stephen Aquari said this. He said, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. He said, my country sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. And he finished. Now, did he have some falls along the way? Apparently. He was scuffed up. He was bandaged up. Was he wounded? Yes. Was he broken? Yes. But you know what? He hobbled his way across the finish line. You know, as I was watching that on YouTube, I got to thinking, boy, that's me. That's me. As a parent, that's me. I'm just hobbling my way to the finish line. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to give up. I've fallen. I've made some mistakes. I've broken and been broken. But I'm keeping my eye on the goal. And I'm not going to quit. You see, I think as parents and even as Christians, in life in general, that's what we need to do. We need a purpose in our heart that we're not going to quit. That we're going to keep on. And that we're going to endure and that's what Hebrews chapter 12 is talking about. That we would persevere, that we would not quit. Now, I don't know about you, but a lot of times as a parent, we, we want to quit from time to time. But let me share with you several, actually, real quickly, I'll hit these, but I want you to write these down. I want to share with you about a confident parent and that confident parent that perseveres and has a will and, and a determination will do several things here. And these are things that we're going to unpack in our Sunday morning Bible study. So I want you to come every Sunday morning as we start unpacking these a little bit more in detail. And then I'm going to speak on them in the worship service. But number one, a confident parent perseveres and he will or she will overcome negative family patterns. Can you guys see that up there? Overcome negative family patterns. You see, even if you grew up in what may be called a, or labeled a dysfunctional family you can persevere and you can overcome the negative, negative family patterns that have been passed down to you. But the, the, what's going to have to happen is you're going to have to be intentional. You're going to have to look into God's Word. You're going to have to realize that you're not perfect. And you're going to have to be intentional that you're going to apply these principles to your life. So you can overcome those. Number two, a confident parent perseveres and will take responsibility for your plan and your purpose. You're going to step up to the plate. And you're going to say, you know what? As a Christian dad, I have a responsibility. As a Christian mother, I have a responsibility. And I'm going to step up to the plate and I'm going to take on that responsibility. There are some things that I need to be doing, some things I should be doing as a godly father or a godly mother. And I'm going to intentionally begin today to put some of those things in place. And I'm going to take responsibilities for the plan and the purpose. Number three... I'm going to communicate with affection and warmth and, and encouragement. Now that's a big one. I'm going to communicate with affection and warmth and encouragement. Too often parenting is shame-based. Hello? We shame our kids into doing what's right. 
instead of just communicating affectionately and with warmth and encouragement and teaching them. We shame them. Number four, we're going to replenish our overcrowded lives. We're going to look for that replenishment in our overcrowded lives. And guys, listen. I was eavesdropping on some of the circles as they were dropping words that would describe their family today. And more than once I heard, busy. Busy. Guys, we, we must, if you follow my Twitter, my Facebook, whatever I put on there this morning, we must build margin into our life. We must build that margin into our life for spiritual renewal and replenishment to take place. Number five, we will create a grace-filled home with consistent discipline. I want, I want you to write this down. Rules without relationship equals rebellion. I want you to write that down. We're going to create a grace-filled home with consistent discipline, but out beside that I want you to write down rules without relationship equals rebellion. Now yes, there's got to be some boundaries, but hopefully and prayerfully there's more than just a hard set of cold rules in your family. Hopefully and prayerfully there's a relationship. Hopefully and prayerfully you're communicating with affection and love and warmth. Hopefully and prayerfully you're explaining some rules. Hopefully and prayerfully you're communicating some of those rules. But rules without a relationship equals rebellion. If we want to raise rebellious children, then implement the rules and don't cultivate a relationship. And that's a formula for a tragedy and a disaster and rebellion. Okay? So we're going to talk about that in the weeks to come. A confident parent perseveres and will bring security and honor to the home through parental blessings. And we're going to talk more about that. You know, I, I realized that I didn't really know until I really started unpacking and studying all that the Bible has to say about being a godly parent. I realized that it was after I moved here to start this church. Within the last 10 years, there was something that I was longing for that I never really got until after I was here. <laughs> Brad, push pause on the record button right here. I don't want this on the podcast. Tell me how to work. But there's some things that were not passed down that I want to pass down to my family. And I am being very, very intentional about being a transitional generational parent to where my family tree is going to be a little bit different primarily on the spiritual side of things. So giving the blessing is huge. And then number seven, these confident parents will persevere and they will raise kids who love God and who have a proper love for themselves. Jim Burns says this. I want you to jot this down. He said, you can choose to recover from your family's past or repeat it. You can choose to recover from your family's past or repeat it. I want you to turn your Bibles, if you will, to Exodus. Exodus chapter number 34. Exodus chapter 34. I want you to look in verses 6 down through verse number 7. Exodus chapter 34. 
in verses 6 and verse 7. It says, Then the Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and rich in faithful love and truth, maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving wrongdoing and rebellion and sin. But he will not leave the guilty unpunished, bringing the consequences of the father's wrongdoing on the children and grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. Now there's some good news and some bad news here in this passage of Scripture. The good news is found in verse number 6 and 7 where God is gracious and He's compassionate and He's slow to anger and He's rich in faithful love and, and truth and He maintains faithful love to a thousand generations. He's forgiving of all wrongdoing and rebellion and sin. That's the good news. Amen? All God's people say praise the Lord for that. Hello? But I want you to look at the bad news. But he will not leave the guilty unpunished, bringing the consequences of the father's wrongdoing on the children and grandchildren to the third and the fourth generation. That's the bad news. But you see, the good news to the bad news is that can change. Once we realize that sin is in the camp, are you tracking with me? Once we realize that there's been some possibly negative legacy that's been passed down or sinful traits or consequences as a result of sinful actions, that can be changed. How can it be changed? By remembering verse 6 is still there. That he is a forgiving God and a passionate God and he's long-suffering and, and he has all truth. And, but, but the point has to come to the place where we acknowledge that yes, Possibly some of those consequences of bad decisions and sinful choices are being passed down to me and I'm living those out. But we need to be aware of that and we need to stop. And we need to say, God, forgive me. And help me to live for you. And turn a new direction. And that's what repentance is all about. It's turning and going a new direction. And then there's, of course, long-suffering. So you can choose to recover from your family's past or you can choose to repeat it but the choice is simply up to you let me give you real quickly and I know I gotta stop here I'm gonna stop give me about 10 minutes hopefully and I'll be done okay real quickly I wanna give you several things on how to overcome negative family patterns okay now if you've had a godly legacy passed on to you praise the Lord keep doing what you've been taught okay and grow even grow greater with your godly legacy there's a challenge there for you as well but I want to speak primarily to those individuals that have not been passed down a godly heritage or a godly legacy. And I want to share with you some ways that you can overcome negative family patterns in your life. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 talks about in Christ we're a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things are become new. Number one, admit your brokenness. Admit your brokenness. You see, the first step to overcoming unhealthy family patterns is to examine the problems in our life. You see, I wonder, how long has it been since maybe we as individuals have looked up to God and said, God, stuff's just not right in my life. And we've allowed Him to break us. You see, that takes, that takes setting aside the ego, <clears throat> that takes putting the pride away, 
And we've just got to admit that we are a broken person. You see, awareness often starts with looking at the past. In our sessions this morning, in our breakout sessions, I intentionally had you go back and look at the past. Why? Because that's when we become aware of some things. And before we can admit that we were broken, we've got to be aware of our family tree and our heritage and the legacy and things that have been passed down. We need to admit our brokenness to the Lord. Dan Chun was a pastor in Honolulu, and he was searching for a youth pastor in his church. And so he called a particular individual and he said, hey, can you give me some potential candidates for a youth pastor in our church? We're trying to find one that would just fit right in and be a great youth pastor for our teens. And the church was growing. They were looking to put him on full time. And the individual gave Pastor Chun in Honolulu two men's names. Now he said, this one guy, he is an all-star. He's ready to move his ministry, but he has been a tremendous success anywhere he's ever been. I highly recommend him. This guy is an all-star. And then he said, I'm going to give you a guy of another name. I don't know, know much about him. As a matter of fact, he has a very unproven track record. He's never really been in the role of a youth pastor, but I think he would make a good one, and that's the direction that he wants to go in his life. I give you both of these guys. Pastor Chun in Honolulu called both of these guys in, interviewed them both. And in the end, he hired the guy that was unproven. The pastor called back and asked Pastor Chun, why did you hire him? He was unproven. I just knew you would hire this all-star youth pastor that had proven himself over the years. Pastor Chun said, there was one thing I was looking for, and I found it in the young man that was unproven, brokenness. He said, because you'll never be able to minister to a congregation until you have been broken. He said, the all-star you sent me was filled with pride and arrogance and had a tremendous ego. And he said, I could not use that. Everything was perfect in his life. And he said, he can never minister to our kids because everything was perfect for him. He said, I need somebody that had been broken. And guys, you know what? Before we can really be used of God, we've got to admit that we are broken. You see, many of you have a tremendous opportunity to be this transitional generation because you have inherited some sins from the past. You've been passed down this negative family tree. And today, with the help of the Lord, you can change that. You can become intentional today. But it starts when you admit that you're broken. Now, everybody, when you came in, you were handed a, um, a 3 by 5 index card. I want you to grab that. You were handed a 3 by 5 index card. Does everybody have one? If you do not have one, we'll get one to you. Okay. On this, I want you to write down. Here's, here's some action steps that I want you to take. I don't think I have a slide for this. But action step number one, write it down on this card. Admit that I'm broken. And then I want you to write down an area in your life where you will admit that you're broken and you need God's help with. Okay? Just write it down. It's just for you. Nobody's going to take it up. Nobody's going to see it. But you see, guys, until we get to the place where we admit that we're broken, there's no way in the world that we can be this transitional generation. So action step. You can't do it on your own. You need Christ. Admit that you're broken. And you'll be amazed at what will happen when you say, God, I can't do this on my own. I am broken. This is an area, God, where I need you. And you give that over to him, okay? So that's just for you. That's an action step for you to do this week. Because I am so serious 
I'm so serious about us beginning and being this transitional generation and beginning and having a godly legacy in our homes. So admit our brokenness. Number two, develop the courage to make change. Develop the courage to make change. Now last week you heard Brother Daniel say he hates change. And I'm thinking, how in the world can you be so young and hate change? I'm just the opposite. I embrace change. I love change. Especially when it's going in the right direction. I get what he's saying about a restaurant. I am kind of, if I go anywhere, I'm getting chicken. Okay? I kind of like that philosophy in a restaurant. You know what? You won't get it. If you want something else, go somewhere else. But here, I want you to have the courage. When we're thinking about being a parent, I want you to think about having the courage to change. Now, what's that going to take? I want you to take your Bibles and look in Luke chapter, chapter number 6 and verse number 12. And then we're going to be in Luke chapter number 4. Gary Smalley says this, he said, life change requires self-care. Life change requires self-care. Bill Hobble says this, he says that life change begins with self-leadership. In other words, he's saying that there's some things in your own individual life that you've got to decide to change in some areas and so I hope and pray that we can have the courage to change and one of the areas is how many would admit you've already said this that you're busy no one a couple how many would admit that we're busy we're all extremely busy but you know what needs to happen if we're going to be this transitional generation we must have the courage to change some of the behaviors and patterns in our love look in Luke chapter 6 and verse number 12 Luke chapter 6 and verse number 12 it's speaking about Jesus, and it says, During those days, he went out to the mountain to do what? To pray. And he spent all night in prayer to God. You know what Jesus did? He built margin into his life. Now, I want to ask you, was Jesus busy? While he was here for 33 and a half years, was he busy? Matter of fact, do you realize that his ministry was only about three and a half years of public ministry? Prior to that, he had his private ministry as a child growing up. But his public ministry was only about three and a half years. Do you realize that the last verse in the book of John, the Gospel of John, John said that if everything was recorded that Jesus did while he was here for 33 and a half years, that there aren't enough books in the world to contain them all. Wow. Could you imagine that? If they just did a documentary of Jesus' life, the 33 and a half years that he was here, there aren't enough books in the world to contain everything that Jesus was doing. So I go back. Was Jesus busy? But what did he do? He built margin into his busy life. So you just saying that you're busy and you don't have time for Bible study and you don't have time for prayer and you don't have time for reading God's Word, that's just an excuse. Jesus was extremely busy. But it says in Luke chapter 6 and verse number 12 that he went out to the mountain to pray and he spent all night in prayer to God. Now guys, if we're going to change, if we're going to be this, this, in, this intentional... Sorry, my microphone's falling off. If we're going to be this intentional generation, transitional generation, then we've got to have the courage to change. And it's got to start with ourselves. Guys, there needs to be some time in our schedule, 
I personally think every single day when you have some personal time of reflection when pr with prayer and with study and gleaning in God's Word. Now, I'm not saying, saying you have to spend four hours studying, but you ought to spend at least four minutes. Hello? You say, I'm busy. You weren't busier than Jesus. But you say, the demands on my life are great. They weren't greater than, than what was on Jesus' life. Matter of fact, turn back to Luke chapter 4. Look back in Luke chapter 4. I want you to look in verse number 38 and following. It says, And he left the synagogue, and he entered Simon's house, and Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked him about her. So he stood over her, and he rebuked the fever, and it left her. And she got up immediately and began to serve them. And verse 40, And when the sun was setting, get this now, when the sun was setting, all those who had anyone sick with various diseases brought them to him. Everybody in the whole region that was sick, they said, we just got to get them to Jesus. And they brought them all to Jesus. Look what it says. And as he laid his hands on each of them, he would heal them. And also demons were coming out of many, shouting and saying, you are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Messiah. Verse 42, and when it was day, he went out and made his way to a deserted place. But the crowds were searching for him. And they came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news about the kingdom of God. The point is, Jesus had people, just mass congregation of people approaching him and saying, heal this one, do this, do that. The demands were great. But what did he do first thing in the morning? He departed and went aside to a deserted place to be by himself and pray. In Luke 6 and 12, he went off in prayer to God. He built margin into his life. Guys, and the point I'm trying to make is this. If we're going to have the courage and we're going to develop the courage to make a change in our life, then we must start building some margin in our lives on a daily basis where we have time to get into the Word of God, where we have time to pray. It doesn't have to be four hours, but at least give it four minutes. So on your card right now, action step, build margin in your life. And I want you to right now to write down that, that I'm going to do that. And you think about be the best time every single day for you to do that. For some, it may not be in the morning. There are some people that just are not morning people, okay? And I'm not saying you have to do it in the morning, but I'm saying there are times in the day when you need to get along with God and you need to get serious about your walk with the Lord, okay? And build that into your life. And number three... Establish replenishing relationships. Establish replenishing relationships. Now we're talking about how to overcome negative family patterns. And Galatians 6.2 says, Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Okay? The point I'm trying to make right here is that, listen, you don't need to be a lone ranger. Don't try to do it by yourself. Get connected with the church family. Get connected in your Sunday school class. Get connected one with another. Build relationships within the church family with Christian brothers and sisters that can help you in this area, okay? Establish these replenishing relationships. Matter of fact, Jim Byrne says there's two types of people in your life. There are the VDPs, that's the very draining person. And there are the VIPs, that's the very inspiring persons. Now he said, you need to build into your life the VIPs, those ones that can help replenish you and inspire you. And when you are refilled and refreshed, you need to minister to the VDPs, those very draining persons, because they need you. Hello? 
That's called ministry, guys. But you've got to be sure you embrace yourself with people that can replenish you. Number four, keep an eternal perspective. You've got to realize, guys, we're keeping our eyes on Jesus. We've got to have an eternal perspective in order to be this transitional generation. In 2 Corinthians 4.17, Paul had this eternal perspective. 2 Corinthians 4.16-18, through 18, you can jot that down. There's another reference for that. But the point is, we must realize that what we're doing, we're investing in eternity. Okay? We're investing in eternity. So the question is, what does all of this have to do with being a confident parent? It has everything to do with it. Because it has to start with you as a person. Right? You, but I know as a parent you say, but if my child would only do... No, 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 no. But if my son would only... No, no. But if my daughter would only... No, no. You see, what you're doing there, you're refusing to take responsibility. It's not up to them. The change has to start with you as a parent. And I've tried to give, and give you some things that can help you as a parent. You've got to take the responsibility. Replenish yourself. Build margin in your life. Have courage to change. Be intentional. And then start working with your family. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.